Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast, the podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. And we are your hosts, James Lee. And Gabby Corbett. Our guest today is Dr. Lily Johnson Edwards, who is the Professor Emerita of History and African American Studies and the founding director of Pan-African Studies and director of American Studies at Drew University in Madison, New Jersey, where she served for 23 years. Dr. Edwards is a public intellectual and deeply active in her community. She knows a thing or two when it comes to working in teams and committees. She currently serves as vice chair of Oberlin College's Board of Trustees, chair of the Academic Affairs Committee, and former chair of Oberlin's 2016 to 2017 Presidential Search Committee. She has served on four committees of the American Historical Association, including as the 1998 chair of the Nominations Committee. Dr. Edwards is a life member of the NAACP, and she served as the first vice president of the Montclair North Essex YWCA from 94 to 96. Dr. Edwards is also the chair of the leadership board of the St. Mark's United Methodist Church in Montclair, New Jersey. Welcome, Dr. Edwards. We're so happy to have you with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm excited to spend this time with you. Great. And uh, it's okay for us to call you Lily? Was that all right? Oh, or please Dr. do Edwards? call me Lily, because I'm calling you James and Gabrielle, so we'll... <laughs> We'll have full equity here. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Oh, we're so glad you're here with us, Lily. Um, one of the things that I'm aware of is that you are the um, chair of the leadership board at the Mark, also known as St. Mark's United Methodist Church. And you all went to the one board model starting in January of 2022. And actually, the documents that you all produced in creating that one board model is now being used across G&J, across the conference. So I just wanted to ask, we wanted to just come and talk to you about the one board model. So what what is it, just walk us through, first of all, the process in which that uh, the mark took from thinking about it to then executing the one board model in your structure. Yes, and, and let me start off by saying when uh, our former pastor just mentioned it to some people, that the first, the kind of visceral first response to the idea of one board really was no. Kind of, why mm. would we do that? Uh, the first response was, well, that sounds like a handful of people making all the decisions. And so we had to rethink approach, which I think is very, very important. And so just to take you through some of the basic steps we used uh, was to first have the then church council say, let's establish a process to um, fully vet whether or not this is something we want to do. And so the first step really is to... to um, have people understand that this is an opportunity to simply pose the question and explore the possibilities. And so we set up a small committee of about six people. Uh, the pastor is not a part of the committee. Uh, we had some former church council chairs and then some people who had not served in administrative positions at all. So we wanted a diverse committee and different voices. 
these were not all people who knew anything about one board until we were kind of starting with the level playing field. We began with reading uh, The Mission Possible by, uh, I believe it's Kay Katana. Uh, we read that book. We met and set up a schedule of listening sessions with the congregation. We actually had eight different listening sessions because we wanted to make sure that everyone who wanted to hear more about this possibility had an opportunity, not just to hear from us, but more important, to pose their questions, their concerns, their worries. And we created a, a completely open, non-judgmental space to receive those questions, which eventually turned into FAQs. And what we try to do is absolutely any and every question people ask, they received a response with an FAQ, or we actually acted upon some questions that were posed where we didn't have the answers. For example, is this only for very large churches that have a very complex structure? What about churches just like ours? You know, an average worship attendance, 100, 125. What has happened? What, what have been the experiences of those churches? And we actually did some research and talked to people uh, uh, at churches our size. Um, we came up with a uh, plan that we distributed to the entire congregation. Um, we then had uh, a church council meeting where that document was voted upon. But I will say, prior to that church council vote, I called each church council member and said, do you have any questions we have not answered? Do you have any information you need that we have not provided? And regardless of your position, are you ready to vote? Or mm, do you need something wow. else from us? And again, <clears throat> the, the, the approach I try to use uh, and our pastor tried to use was kind of this is the administration of our church for all of us. And we want to provide uh, um, excellence. And most of all, we want trust <laughs> in that decision-making process. And so uh, the church council voted in uh, May of 21. We held a special charge conference. Um, and then we put that uh, the leadership board into effect January 2022. Um, and I'll add quickly, we also did not use the word or the phrase one board because we realized that was a trigger with the idea of one somehow resonated as that handful of people making all the decisions. But rather we used um, uh, the phrase simplified, accountable leadership, Sal. <laughs> and so when people heard simplified, right, that connotes efficiency, right? It's, it's easier to click once than to click five times to find something. So simplified kind of triggered the idea of, oh, efficiency, more effective. And then accountable 
triggered this idea of, oh, people will be held responsible for the decisions. And so that gave a much more positive uh, platform than even using the word one board. Interesting. Oh, that's awesome. Hmm. Simplified, accountable leadership, you said. Yes. Sal. Yeah, you guys did a ton of, we are one of the churches. So I serve at Paul River, which is uh, in the same Meadowlands district as the Mark. (laughs) Um, And we were exploring the one board model um, and what simplified accountability looks like uh, in a, a smaller church than the mark and we um read the book mission possible and then i said i emailed the district superintendent and i said do we have anybody who's actually doing this and do they have a document <laughs> that we could look at and right, so right, right. L- why reinvent the, time, the wheel right, right. Yeah. yeah sent us what you all had worked on uh, and so we said as our model for our one board um and it was the the amount of work you all did to make that the document into the thought process in how you do this well and transition well is were absolutely remarkable. And I am so grateful for your willingness to, to share it with folks um, and to help us sort of navigate into what that looks like. Um, how has the transition been? So you said you started, right, I officially wanted to affect um 2021 or 2022 and now it's been uh over a year and i know you've had a a pastoral change in there so that i know brings some extra stuff to it too but how do you feel that it's been going for you all has it been as effective as you thought it would be Uh, just from you know your opinion and and your working with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's only me speaking here uh, so so uh there there may be other opinions at the mark i guarantee you there probably are which is a good thing right um sure but sure. uh i i do think it has gone uh very very well uh i was i was saying to you and to james earlier that we do plan to have a robust uh assessment uh, that would be that will be done by a separate group of people, and in my own mind, I won't share that. That would be conflict of interest in some ways. Uh, but we'll bring together probably some uh, people who served on the earlier church council, because then you know church council or finance trustee finance, because they will have a sense of what that old model felt like. And we'll probably have someone from the current leadership board serve, and then. Uh, people who uh, from throughout the congregation who haven't served at all, but who are fully engaged in the Marks and Ministries, serve on a committee that will outline an assessment to find out, have we actually achieved the goals? And that, uh, as you said, Gabrielle, you can see in our plan, we have a list of things that this model yeah. is supposed <laughs> to achieve. Um, and then also just a sense of the uh, congregational culture. You know, are people comfortable? Are people satisfied? Are people happy? Are there questions people still have that need to be answered? And so we want to continue that kind of open communications with the the congregation. Um, here's my power story for you know, <laughs> if you if you want to take this back to Gabrielle, uh, to your your congregation, Gabrielle, in terms of 
how this actually works. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a request in de- around December 27th, I think, 2021. We had a request from Motley Emergency Services for, at the time it was called For the Homeless, to use St. Mark's Fellowship Hall for overnight respite that winter, starting January 15, <laughs> right, okay. kind of about two weeks later, three weeks maybe, when the temperature was 32 degrees or lower. And there is no other house of worship that it said they would do it. So at that point, it's the pastor and trustees, right, under the old model, being approached. And the question the group asked us was, how many, how many committees do you have to go through to make this decision before January 15th? And we all said, hmm, we really have only one because we're right on the cusp of the transition. And so this is this was my strategy <laughs> because in my mind, I'm thinking we will not have people out in the cold and it's 32 or below. So I'm only thinking we will provide <laughs> shelter for homeless people. Yes. And so the, the trustees in December, end of December, called the emergency meeting, they approved it. <laughs> and so when the leadership board met in January, we already had the that approval in hand and we voted and we had respite ready on January 15th. So this is what would have happened under the old model, would have been the trustees would have approved it then it would have had to have gone actually to finance to think through what are our overhead costs. Then it would have had to have gone to church council, right, to make the final decision. And it would have been impossible to have done all of that by January 15th. But here, here's here's the thing that uh, Gabrielle, I think sometimes that we uh, that uh, Leslie, who's our pastor, then kept saying <laughs> when she goes to when she would go as pastor to all of these meetings, it was the same people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, right. So, right. so there's a decision to be made, and you go to possibly. Three to four meetings for one decision, and he could, like sheltering the homeless in January and February, have real critical need or consequences, and yet it would have to go through three or four committees with some of the same people talking about the same issues and then not making a decision on those issues until months later. And so there's this, you know, I think of it as poor stewardship of time and that time is given to us by God and it's 24 hours in a day. That must be (laughs) all we need. Um, But then we, you know, have structures sometimes that don't serve us well. And so what's most important is serving well, 
You know, that's the whole point. Um, effectively, efficiently, um, and with excellence. And I do think the mark has done that well with our uh, leadership board. Um, the only other piece I, I will add is we we ramped up the um, kind of communication and information flow to the congregation that I would say kind of is double quadruple what was within that old structure where people had no clue what was going on in trustee <laughs> meeting. SNRC right. obviously is a confidential space for the most mm -hmm. part. Um, and then finance and their church council that maybe people knew what was going on in church council, but not the entire flow of decision-making. With the one board, we distribute the agenda to the entire congregation um, 10 to 14 days in advance. So the entire congregation knows what is being discussed. Um, the entire congregation is invited. We have executive session if we are doing personnel matters. Um, but otherwise, the congregation hears all of the debate. They hear the, the discussion. Uh, they hear the rationale for um, decisions. We now have a newsletter that goes out regularly. The leadership board has a section where we list these are the decisions we've made. Um, and then we also have information sessions. This is separate from the leadership board meeting. Information sessions are just like a town hall. Uh, and it's the pastor has a chance to say things about her vision. But we also have a chance for the congregation to just say, I'm worried about or I don't understand. So it's really this open conversation with the congregation. We didn't have that under the church council model. Lily, what are some common concerns or objections you hear other than the ones you named? I think there are a couple other ones, right? Uh, when proposing a transition to a simplified leadership model and how do you address those concerns or objections? Right? For instance, the one you named was really good, which was you know, fewer committees. It sounds like less voices or it sounds like a few have power to do everything, right? Right, right. And I, I think that, would you agree, Gabrielle, that kind of resonates yeah. with most congregations? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I think for most congregations, that is what it sounds like. But here's the interesting reality when we kind of look at the discipline, which we all do. Um, and that is the church council under the current model, is actually making the decisions, right? That finance is reporting to, SBRC is reporting to. And so that number of people on a leadership board or church council really can be the same as it is now. At the mark, it's identical. We had 11 people on church council. We have 11 people on the leadership board. That really doesn't change. And then if you look at the, the, the um, item I mentioned earlier, there's all this overlap of the same people being in the flow of meetings. And so that, you know, that 
to me should say to people that there's a kind of illogic in repeating those discussions. I think the other thing people uh, are concerned about um, is a kind of, you know, people ask questions about, you know, is this allowed by the discipline? Because the discipline's layout of the current model is very clear. Uh, but the discipline does say churches may, in fact, have alternative uh, models to structure for structuring themselves, and they uh, work with the DS for that. So it is sound within the discipline and following that. Um, I think people are also concerned um, that um, uh, it's interesting. I think that there's some concern that um, people will um, lose their personal position, which is different than the small group. And so someone who is currently, you know, currently has been in a position for a decade or two. <laughs> um, so sometimes people are worried about what their own personal role will be uh, if they feel kind of um, uh, really that they own a certain position within the administration of the church. Um, and I think that becomes a pastoral and also kind of theological work uh, around spiritual gifts, uh, around Christianity as a uh, and Methodism as a uh, and our belief in change. Um, I mean, I started thinking this morning. We change elders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, a tenacity is at the heart of the way we understand how elders order congregations for a specific time, for a specific need that God is placed, you know, upon a specific church community. And we believe that, therefore, the leader changes to be right. accountable for yep. a moment in time, right? Yeah. I, and so if yes, we if we be really believe that for elders, we really do need to believe it for ourselves that, you know, you know, Lily's time on the leadership board is coming to an end this December. And I keep reminding people of that. I mean, I want to be the role model to say, um, I probably could just stay on, but no. no. I, I, I need to make room for other spiritual gifts, right? I need to make room for other people. Um, I've done this administrative work. What is the next, right? What does Pastor K have in mind for, you know, the next, you know, moment in her new ministry at the mark? And there need to be new people and you know maybe god wants me to you know go work with the fifth graders at the mark <laughs> i don't know yet but uh <laughs> i don't know i don't know what what will what god wants me to do at the mark in 2024 but i'm sure i'm sure there's a list <laughs> i see <swear> there is <laughs> that's one of the biggest things that i've seen in this process too is this um personhood 
and identity woven into positions. And, you know, with the model that it, you all developed and we've just tweaked ever so slightly, you, you only serve for three years, right? Your class on this board, uh, and I have leaders and I have served in, you know, many churches where somebody has held the same position for 30 years, right? I, and that's as a person who just turned 30, like th that person has been serving <laughs> their entire life, right? <laughs> My entire life only has been right, the trustees chair of this church, which, right, one of the things that we have to navigate as pastors is how do you deal with that identity crisis um, in the process? But it also opens up such a gift of trust, right? Trusting that your brothers and sisters and your siblings in Christ who sit with you every Sunday in the pews will one day take up the mantle of leadership themselves as well. And that we can trust that God has given them good gifts and that God has called them for a season, right? And those, I think, so I think when people talk about what are some of the benefits too of this one board simplified model being able to recognize that everybody has good gifts and god is going to use them in some way um and then to open other people up for you've been pigeonholed into this particular role for 30 years but what if you know what if you find out that your trustee chairperson who's been holding that role forever their real gift is teaching children Right. And nobody's been able to see that before because we've just decided that because they own a truck and are good with power tools, that they should be the trusty chairperson <laughs> right? or what, however it is that you've pigeonholed people. And I think that that's so important for churches to listen to, both clergy who are thinking about bringing this into their local church and lay folks who are navigating how do we lead well in spaces that feel like change is really scary or overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. And so there are so many powerful directions to go, Ariel, as you're saying, with uh, the kind of uh, our, our beliefs and scripture and thinking through what does leadership mean? And I always have the image of not only Jesus washing the feet of the disciples as servant leader, but I also think about uh, Jesus saying, "You will do greater things." And so part of my part of my line at the mark has always been, "Well, if Jesus can say, <laughs> you will do greater oh. things." Yes, maybe we're supposed to. Oh, that's so good. Maybe look for the people where we can say, "I think you will do greater things." Than I will. And that we are part of being the leader is to seek out, like Jesus did, seek out the disciples, right? Seek out the members, seek out the spiritual gifts that will do greater things. And the spiritual gifts also don't work in isolation. So it's not my spiritual gift. It is the entire faith body's spiritual gifts that are working as one body, right? Mm, and, and that mm. they, right, the power is the way they come together in ways that 
you know, as you were saying, Gabrielle, it's not that, well, you have the truck, then you're a trustee. Um, one of our most powerful people in children's ministry is a lawyer, former judge. You know, those people where, you know, they walk in the room and children kind of come to them, like, kind of hold yes. me, <laughs> that kind of person. Um, you know, and, and Jesus has shown us, you know, who had all the gifts, you know, that there are people that children will come unto them, right? Um, and it may not be the school teacher, because that's not how spiritual gifts work. And so part of the work, I think, is leadership, the, the kind of teaching, um, discipleship, growing pieces or leadership, um, and spiritual gifts. The other one is stewardship of time. And the other one, I think, is excellence. And so corporate boards and CEOs are sitting around all the time, you know, unless they're a, you know, home goods store that closes. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, they're sitting around really saying, how can we do this better? Yeah. Yeah. How yeah, can we do right. this better? How can we improve something? How can we be at the top of our game? How can we be the best? How can, and we need to have that kind of, you know, heavenly, literally heavenly high bar that says, how can we should always be asking, how can we do this better? We are not believers in status quo. I mean, Read scripture. We yeah. do not believe in status quo. Uh, on, we 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 believe it. Like go in therefore, good. Yeah, you have to go do something, right? Yeah. And so yep. that whole spirit of um, spirit of change, not accepting status quo. Bar is always moving up to perfection, right? Uh, in every way. Amen. Amen. So it's just so grounded in theology and Methodism to do this kind of work. And and it's even larger than just leadership board, right? These are the kinds of way, ways we should work and should, should inform what we do for everything. Mm -hmm. Lily, so that's, thank you for sharing that. That's really powerful. I have, however, heard the excellence piece be used to justify why I need to stay in this role because I tried to step down, I gave it to someone else and they are not doing it well or they are failing miserably. I'll, I'm, in, I'm interested to hear that you will be stepping down from your role as the chair of the leadership board at the end of this year. So I'm sure you're not just gonna, you know, January 1, okay, here you go and let someone just run with it. I'm sure there's a bit of a, leadership development process. I'm curious what you are doing to prepare the next leadership board chair for success. Well, I will I will say this. Uh, the first thing I do is pray about it. Uh, when I was worship coordinator and was thinking in the same way, and that is I am continually seeking the next worship coordinator. That in some ways, yeah. that is part of being the leader, right? As I'm seeking. Yes. yes. And I really did begin two years before I thought I would probably transition out of being worship coordinator 
uh, where, again, I probably could have just stayed there, but I don't think that's scriptural or good for me, uh, nor is it good for the congregation. Uh, so I prayed about it for two years, and the person who I thought would be um, uh, even better than me, the was better than me, actually did step up and accepted the role. I began to do the same thing with leadership board. I think maybe when we first created the leadership board, one of the first thoughts in my mind was, who will come next? I, I heard this from, from Oberlin's president, uh, Carmen Twilley Ambar, when she was first introduced as the new president of Oberlin. Um, what she said in her first, this was you know, at the point of being hired. I don't think she literally come on board yet, but this was the you know grand introduction to the world. One of the sure. things she said in her speech was that her job as president was to uh, to hand off to the next president, you know, an institution that was excellent, sustainable, viable, and fulfilling its mission. That that was her job. And I took that as one of the most profound things I've ever heard someone say who was entering a brand new job. And I thought it had wow, such yeah. power, but also such grace of, I'm not here for myself. I'm here both for the institution, but I'm also here for the person who comes next. And I have just you know placed that into my heart as a way of operating through everything. And so I have been praying for the last two years about the next about the next uh, leadership board chair. I've shared that with Pastor Kay. I have um, uh, been prayerful that that I was hearing you know the right uh, that, that I was listening to God. Um, in ways that were not, uh, uh, you know, my own thoughts, which <laughs> sometimes get in the way. Um, mm. And I also have talked to Pastor Kay about this, uh, and that is we, we now have nominations as nominations in leadership development. And I think in the past, for the most part, nominations has, you know, in August started to call people and say, will you do this? And we does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeah. <laughs> yep. A, a little too much, yeah. <laughs> so what I've suggested to Pastor Kay is that nominations work on a pipeline strategy and a very intentional one. And the pipeline strategy, not just for administration, but also head of ministries, which is really important if you're going to have somebody head of doing missions and outreach and head of communications, right, James? Uh, head of, yes, yes. you know, we need to, we need to um, begin that training and learning processes of going to leadership academy and going to other kinds of uh, G&J trainings uh, early, not after the person is taken, not just after someone has taking on that role. Um, I know Pastor Kate plans to really uh, do some work on spiritual gifts, which also helps people 
uh, know what God has called them to do that may have nothing to do with their profession or, or educational training. Uh, and so we plan to, and, and so in my mind, at least, this isn't something we've done, but in my own personal experience, in my mind, there's a kind of two-year kind of trajectory that there's, for leadership board in particular, there's kind of a, a one might say, a kind of list of the people whose spiritual gifts may feed into administration. Um Here's the other thing I've also learned from my, my my service on Oberlin's board, and that is maybe you also want the leadership board to reflect what the upcoming vision is for the church. And that may change. Uh, you know, a church may be going into a capital campaign or a church may be, you know, doing some major deferred maintenance and structural work. The church may be going into doing more hiring of staff. Uh, there may be an expansion of certain ministries. I actually want people on the leadership board to kind of maybe shift to, and you can do that, right, with the rotation. You can kind of begin to shift the board to reflect sure. the specific need of that time. Which I think wow. is also wow. scriptural from Old Testament to New, that you see this shift in leaders according to, um, as Ecclesiastes would tell us, right? There's a time <laughs> for different things. Um, and mm. so I, 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 I think the mark has done that. I think that's something that is evolving. Um, and uh, Gabrielle will be happy to share <laughs> that uh, 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 kind of leadership development piece when we uh, get yes, that going. <laughs> yes, you're I, welcome. Really, I mean, you need to bring all of our leadership development. That is, it's that's such a profound way to think about what we're called to do. Right. That's whether you're the president of a college or you're a, a new elder taking over uh, a new appointment, right? We are in the midst of um, appointment season and, and the changing of the guard there too. And in how we lead in local congregations. Uh, you know, we had a, another conversation with Reverend Nicole Cobble-Gross uh, about how we are all part of a larger story Right? And our our roles and what God calls us to do fits in with this larger picture. And we are not the be all end all of it. And what a what a shift and what a what a reframing of transformational leadership when you right. can begin to think of your role as not being about you, but about being about the institution, being about who comes next, being a attuned and attentive to the calling that your congregation has to think about stewardship right we're always talking about stewardship holistically that's the you know fairly new trend that's come on the scene and it's not just about money right it's it's about stewarding our time it's about stewarding the institution the congregation the church as a whole where are we headed um, and how do we do that in an intentional way so that inevitably when 
change comes about, which it always does, right? I for for people who are constantly surrounded by change, we really hate change, right? And I think Methodists mm-hmm. are, as you said before, right? We're itinerancy is such a part of who we are. Like change is the most constant thing that we have, and mm-hmm. yet we can't handle it. So instead of devolving into chaos over, oh my gosh, our pastor of the last 15 years is leaving us, or the Sunday school superintendent that we've had for the last five years is stepping down and we've never thought about who might replace them, Um, not, oh my gosh, you know, James retired and moved and now we have no director of communicate. What does this look like? If we are intentional <laughs> about the <laughs> James, you have a couple years till you can do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few more years till retirement. Right. But if Old Brown taught me anything. <laughs> <laughs> Being intentional about our story and about our stewardship and about our next hmm. makes us better leaders now. Yes. And makes and develops stronger leadership models now than it will when we exit. And so I just, I thank you for bringing such profound and poignant moments and remembrances to what it is that we're doing as leaders. It's just, I I feel like I want to sit down and write notes. uh, So I have to listen to this again and make lots of notes. (laughs) Well, that's why this is a podcast interview, Gabby. So then we could always go back and listen to it again and again and again. That's that's the whole point. That's <laughs> uh, the point, yes. Uh, Lily, thank you so much uh, for for all. Yeah, Lily, just want to say want, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Was there any questions, or let's put it this way: Are there any answers to questions that we didn't ask that you are burning inside you that you just want to share with the world? Any questions we should have asked and uh, didn't ask you? There, there, there's one more thing that may sound minor and part of it has to do with serving on uh, uh the board of ordained ministries and part of it is just trying to be a gracious gracious person and that is one of the things this current structure does is it requires our pastors our elders to go to as many as five administrative meetings to discuss the same issues and to come to a single conclusion. And I think the that the degree to which our pastors are working, you know, almost 24-7, that we really definitely are not using the gifts of our elders well when we have them doing administration and that much time of both preparation and meeting time when they could be serving the flock. And so it's just not, uh, uh, in some ways, not fair or fruitful to our pastors to put that level of administrative demand on them in ways that are so inefficient. Um, And so I would ask us to free them, right, to (laughs) free them to feed the flock. Whoa, that's Amen. that that's a tweetable <laughs> quote right there. That is. Hashtag free the pastor. Free the flock. Right? Free the pastor to pastor the flock. There you feed, go. Feed, free Come the on. pastor, feed the flock. 
I'll, yes. I'll give it to you, there James. It it's yours. <laughs> we need t-shirts that's a, james that, that's a hashtag no that's that t-shirt yes that, that yes. is a t-shirt worthy quote i'll take it <laughs> uh, uh yeah what is it a cage-free pastor please right is that yes. is that what we're going for <laughs> cage-free pastor uh, well lily thank you so much for being on the podcast i want to talk more and more i think we should have more conversations after this uh but uh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your experiences we do have one last question that we ask all of our guests uh, we are the uncovered dish podcast uh because we love covered dish dinners methodists we love to eat and so here's the last question if you could have one dish for the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, one dish, no variations, what would that one dish be? The one dish and no variations. Okay. Yes. Baked, <laughs> baked chicken. Ooh. Baked chicken. Nice. Yeah. Any particular kind or from somewhere or... spicy it doesn't spicy. matter who's yes. spice so it could be you oh. know harissa it could be cayenne it could be but spicy <laughs> baked chicken spice awesome spicy baked chicken yeah. breakfast lunch and dinner yeah i'll take it <laughs> i can't take too much put it spicy on a these salad days, but... and some pita have it yeah Boom. i can i could eat it you know 10 different ways Love it. Baked chicken, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's it. Love it. <laughs> well, once again, Lily, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Folks, if you want to find out more, you can go to her website, lilyedwards.com. That's L-I-L-L-I-E, edwards.com. Uh, is there anywhere else that people can go to reach out to you if they have more questions? Well, they can definitely go to uh, themarkmtc.org. That's T-H-E-M-A-R-K-M-T-C.org. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Lily, and we hope to have you on the podcast again soon. Would love to. Thank you. All thank right. You. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.